Most all of you have probably, probably at this point in your life heard of a bucket list. What is a bucket list? Something or things that you would like to do between now and the day that you die. Certain things that you would like to do. And you hope that way, maybe some way, somehow you can at least experience a portion of them, a few of them. And uh, I think about that from time to time. I've had some wonderful experiences in my life. I, uh, some bucket list things I would like to do before my dying day. And uh, I used to think it would be really, really wonderful uh, to go to like a national championship game, but, but suddenly I'm thankful that I didn't. <laughs> and when you think about a bucket list kind of experience, could you imagine what it must have been like to travel with Jesus? Obviously, it would be a bucket list kind of experience to make just one trip with Jesus. If Jesus just happened to say, hey, I'm going to this distant place, and I would really like for you to go and to hang out with me, we would be like, you have got to be kidding. That is not even possible. How is it possible that Jesus would want us to go and travel with him? But can you even begin to imagine how incredible that it must have been to be one of only 12 disciples, only 12, that Jesus intentionally chose to journey with him on this adventurous three-year run. What do they have the opportunity to do? It's quite plain. They got a chance to see Jesus in a way that nobody has ever been able to see Jesus before. And that is up close and personal. In some of Jesus' most unguarded moments, they were able to see in actuality some of the spiritual practices of Jesus' life that no one else would ever be privileged to see. They were unique practices, and they were not at all familiar with them, uh, these disciples were, until they moved in close, uh, close proximity with Jesus and had these opportunities to travel with him. For example, here's one of the unique things that Jesus would often do. Jesus would often go off all by himself for a while. He would just dismiss himself from the crowd, from the disciples, anybody else that had happened to gather with them, and, and he would just go to these quiet, private places all alone. In fact, uh, the guys are going to put up a couple of verses that I want you to see with me. Just check out two verses, others that we could look at. But take a look at this first one right here. Matthew 14, 23, it said, after he, he being Jesus, had dismissed them, the people, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray, all by himself. Look at this next verse. Check this one out. This is one you may be even more familiar with. Luke 5, 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places, and there he would pray. Now, what I'm about to say is uh, pure speculation, of course, but it makes you wonder, did these kind of things ever come up in the discussions that Jesus had with his disciples and, and questions that uh, really more actuality that, that they were asking him? Questions like this, and again, this is speculation, but it causes me to wonder, did the disciples ever say something like this to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, let's not forget why we're here. We're here to follow you. Let's not forget that we have let go of our careers. We've given up on our friends. We've walked away from them. We've walked away from our families. We've done all of these things to follow after you. And we really thought and we had really hoped that we would be able to hang out with you like 24-7. But Jesus, we noticed something. You keep disappearing. 
you keep going off by yourself. And then in those occasions, think about this now, sort of contrastingly. Then when Jesus did invite them to pull away, to go with him to some undisturbed place to pray with him, after they had this dialogue with Jesus, they may have in fact wished that Jesus had have gone off all by himself. Because sometimes it would look a little bit like this. And I'll just take a moment uh, to, to mention this. Other examples I could give, but let me just tell you how it would often work. Jesus uh, would, at the conclusion of a big day of ministry, where he has been actively teaching, and there have been healings that have taken place, and a lot of help that's, help that's been given to people. And it would be at the end of a taxing, tiring day of ministry that Jesus would look at his disciples, and he would say something like this. All right, this time, I'm not going off by myself. This time, I'm not going off to some lonely place to pray all by myself. I want you to go with me. I want you guys to follow me, and we're going to this really quiet place so that we can have some prayer time together. And the disciples probably were like, great. This is what we were talking about. This is exactly what we want to be with you. We left career, family, friends, all of that to come and hang out with you. And we like it now that you're including us in your prayer time rather than doing this all on your own. So the disciples are like, great, where are we going? How long are we going to pray? And then Jesus oftentimes would have a response. And again, I'm paraphrasing it, but Jesus would say, I'll tell you where we're going. We're going just over this next hill. There's a a place of solitude. We'll be able to hang out there together, and uh, that's where we're going to be. How long are we going to pray? I'll tell you how long. We're going to pray all night long. And they're like, we don't have to go if you want to go by yourself. We don't have to go. Because the disciples had never met anybody who could or even wanted to pray all night. But this is something that was so beautiful And so distinctively wonderful about Jesus is that Jesus lived his life with one ear open to earth and one ear open to heaven. You think about that. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit because, you know what? You and I can do that. Not in the same measure, of course, that Jesus could, but we can do that. And most of us are not doing really well at that right now, but we can do that. You and I can live our lives with one ear Uh, tuned into what is going on here on earth and yet have another ear that is tuned in to the Father's voice and what he's trying to say. And Jesus did that. He, he had one ear, you know, directed toward everything that was going on on, on earth, seeing the vast needs of people, sensitive to them. I don't even need to go into that. Uh, one of the verses in the Bible said, that says that Jesus went about doing good. This is quite a, a summary, by the way, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all manner of disease. So everywhere Jesus went, Jesus was doing good. He was saving. He was healing. He was helping. He was raising from the dead. He was encouraging. He was inspiring. He was challenging. Why? Because Jesus had one ear open to earth, and any time that he saw a great need that a person or group of people had, Jesus was fully dialed into that. But he also had an ear that was tuned into heaven, and he heard the voice of his Father. In fact, many times I mentioned to you when Jesus would go off to these lonely places to pray, he did it intentionally because he wanted to be calibrated based on what the Father was speaking to him because Jesus was wanting to make sure that he had accomplished the Father's will. So any time that Jesus heard a voice from heaven, it always took preeminence over anything that was happening on earth. 
And this begs the question, if Jesus is our leader, and if we're a Christian, he actually is, and if we ought to be following him, which of course we ought to be doing if we're Christians, what might it really look like if we lived that same way? What would it look like? You just think about that in your own life, and we're going to talk about what would it look like if we had one ear open to heaven and we had one ear open to earth? What might that look like? In our new message series, we're talking about how important it is to turn up the heat in our spiritual lives. How important that is. And, and I mentioned to you last weekend that if you've been a Christian for any length of time at all, you probably would acknowledge you wouldn't be very proud of it. Most of the time, we're not. You'd say, I remember that time when I first became a Christian, and uh, I was oh, so on fire for God. I was red hot. I mean, my passion and devotion to Jesus was unquenchable, and, and I prayed like I'd never prayed before, and I read the scriptures, and I shared my faith, and I made sure that I was devoting myself to the things. I was in church the way I needed to be in church, and all these wonderful things were going on in my life. But then you look, and you just say, somehow, Somehow I've cooled off over time. I don't have that passion. I don't have that heat, that spiritual heat in my life anymore. And so I mentioned to you last weekend, no better way to start a new year, 2018, than to talk about if we've cooled off, if we've cooled off. What can we do to heat things up again? We looked at uh, that, that, uh, that passage in Revelation where Jesus is saying, like, you know what? I'd rather you be cold or hot but because you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. Well, of course, Jesus wants us to be hot. He doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He certainly doesn't want us to be cold. He wants us to be on fire. But over time, we cool off. And as I shared with you last weekend, that uh, we just get indifferent. We get casual. And, uh, you know, we get, I said even worse, we get complacent. And so I want to just jolt us all out of that and talk about what are some things that we can do to, uh, you know, turn up the heat in our spiritual lives. And, and last week, we looked at, if you were here, if you were not here, by the way, uh, please go to the church's website and, and listen to that message. You can watch it online, download and podcast, and, and you could do that because I want you to be in sync with us every single week. But, but we started sort of the baseline of turning up the heat in our spiritual life, and, and we looked at some examples from the Scriptures as to what we needed to do, and we said, let's just start with Jesus, our leader, who made it a practice that he was in church every seven days. And I talked about that, that if we're going to turn up the heat in our spiritual life, where we got to get started. Now, it's not going to sustain us if we're in, in church every seven days and we do nothing in between. Uh, you know, we're not going to be able to stay at the temperature that we need to stay at, spiritually speaking. But that's the beginning point. And if we don't do that, if we're not doing that faithfully and consistently like Jesus did every seven days, we can't help it. We're going to cool off. And so we, we looked at five things together. We said, you know, uh, Jesus set the example. Jesus, uh, we looked at the passage where it says, and he went into the synagogue, and this was every seven days, and that key phrase that was there was, as was his custom, as was his habit. But then we looked at next, and we said, you know, other biblical writers talked about that. Even the, even the Ten Great Commandments mentions in there, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Reverence that day. Make that day sacred. Set the part that day unto God and say nothing else is going to get. Not work, not recreation, not anything. That day is going to be entirely devoted to God. 
I mentioned to you also that there are these corporate gatherings when God seems to speak in ways. And we know that he speaks to us through promptings and nudgings. We know that he speaks to us through his word. But we said there are some times for mysterious reasons when God chooses to speak a clear word or a clear truth to us in a corporate gathering when we're all together. And it may feel like, hey, I was the only one in the room, but God just spoke to me and I know it was God. And we would have missed that. We would have missed that had we not been in God's house. And then I mentioned to you the value of when we come together. Another reason is we inspire and we encourage each other. And, and we don't, it's like saying, hey, there's other people that, that you know, they're motivated to turn up the heat in their spiritual life as well. And, and I'm not crazy. I see them. And I talked about how that encourages you. In fact, I mentioned to you last weekend that, that it was the anniversary, the one-year anniversary uh, of my mom's death, January 7th, last weekend, and I was sort of carrying that around and how I just came into this place, and I'm feeling a little down about mom's loss, you know, from one year ago to that last Sunday, and, and yet I looked around at so many of you, and, and I was so encouraged, and I was so inspired, and it just helped me to be able to set some of that a, a ahead of a time and just say, you know, God, I'm just going to focus on you today, and, and you inspired me, and, and you encouraged me, and just being with you, my church family, last week. I, I got to tell you, there was something I could not tell you last Sunday, not because I didn't want to. I really wanted to, but I couldn't tell you last week uh, because I've got a family scattered around as missionaries in other parts of the world, China and Thailand, and we needed to speak to them personally before, you know, we said anything openly, and, and that is I had found out this is last Sunday, uh, just prior to coming into the service, that my grandmother had passed away. On the same exact day, one year later, that my mom had passed away. And I couldn't talk about it because we just needed to speak to these family members. And I'm just, I'm walking in and I'm like, I can't believe this. I'm already thinking about uh, mom, you know, one year ago to the day, January 7th, and, and then getting the word that at 7.30 last Sunday morning, my grandmother, you know, my mom's mom, mamma, we called her mamma, that she had passed away on the same uh, identical day. We, we've talked about it as family, and there's some discrepancy. You know, we have a, you know, we have a great family. We've got a big family, and, and you know, we've tried to uh, talk, and I, I don't know that we all see it the same way. Some see it as though mom was saying, hey, God, you know, on my first year anniversary, here's what I'd like. I'd like to have my mama with me in heaven. And some feel that way. Others feel like maybe mom was saying, God, why now? Couldn't you have given me a little bit more of a break? You know, just this one year has gone pretty fast. And you know, mama, you know, if you could have made it a little bit longer than 12 months, that would have been so, you know, we're not in complete agreement on that. So we had to have a little bit of fun in that regard. But how did we come together? Maybe you're having a tough day today and you gather together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as I was inspired, thinking about mom last Sunday and then having to think about mamaw last Sunday and then coming to this place and just saw you and was encouraged, inspired by you. I talked to you about how that the legacy for our children and grandchildren is built, and, and they realize that the church is an important thing and, and how that value, we model that value. Now, if you follow the practice of Jesus, our leader, and if you gather church every seven days, as we talked about quite clearly last weekend, as was the custom of Jesus, that will definitely heat you up in your spiritual life. It will. It will heat you up in your spiritual life but it will not, let me say it again, it will not keep you at the temperature that you need to live at consistently. 
There are, is what I want to talk about today. There are some other heat building practices that can be implemented between these seven days. And I know what a lot of you are expecting me to do right now. I know this. You're expecting me to all of a sudden now roll out, lay out for you a Bible reading, solitude finding, prayer offering kind of plan. And I know you're expecting me to do that, and I'm not going to do that. Instead, I want to show you something that Jesus said, and then I want to sort of position out for you what a typical day may look like in our lives right now, but what a typical day could look like with some tweets and some adjustments and some changes that we can make that are not necessarily mega adjustments, but, but adjustments and tweets here and there that will definitely make our spiritual life heat up in ways that we have previous, previously maybe even not even dreamed of, not even thought was possible. So I'm going to approach it in a little bit different way. I'm going to need you for the next several moments. I'm looking at the clock right now. I know how long I have, and I know that I can do this. And before I really get into some real practical things that I think is, is going to help you, some things that are going to help you, some things that I think are going to be memorable for you, I want to approach it in a little bit different way. This is not a normal verse that you would, uh, you would see in talking about these practices, but the deeper we get into this, it's going to make a ton of sense to you. So here it is. This is what Jesus said. All right, take a look at this verse. Luke 6, 45, the A part of the verse, this is Jesus. Jesus said, good people bring good things out of the good they stored up in their hearts. But evil people bring evil things out of the evil they stored in their hearts. So, you know, it's these contrasts. You put good in your life, there's going to be some good come out. You put evil, there's going to be some evil come out. But I want to just focus for today's purposes on this first sentence only. And I want you to look at it carefully. And I'm going to read that first portion one more time through. And then we're going to get into this. Good people. Good people. You know some good people? I was at uh, Memo's funeral uh, on Friday. And uh, there's 11 of us, believe it or not, in full-time ministry today. So... And, and Memo wanted, she made it her wishes that all of us would, would speak or do something in her service. So suffice it is to say it was not a 15-minute service, but it was reasonably long, all right? Good people. And, and I looked around some of the family that I've been blessed with, some good, good people that have been major influences in my own life. Good people bring good things. Now, this is really important out of the good they stored up in their hearts. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying here that the key to raising the heat in our spiritual life, that the key to thinking, you got to get this, friends. I ask you to give me some some of your best thinking for the next few moments, some of the best mental horsepower that you have. The key to thinking good thoughts The key to living a good life and loving in good ways, Jesus is saying, is to consistently put some good in you. They put good in them. And if you're committed to doing this, 
If you just say, you know what? That's what I want. I want to be heated up spiritually. I've made it now a commitment. I am going to be as Jesus was, as was his custom. And as the Bible talked about in church every seven days, I'm going to do that. And that's great. It's not going to put you at the temperature that you can live at consistently. But what I'm going to talk about is some things that you can do between Sundays that I'm telling you will heat you up. And if you do these things and you're committed to doing them day after day, week after week, month after month, your temperature, listen, I'm just telling you, it would be impossible for it not to happen. Your temperature, spiritually speaking, will increase in remarkable ways. So for the remaining portion of our time, I'm going to just get so painstakingly practical because I want to talk about what a day might look like for you and for me right now, but what it could look like if we put some good in us. So let's just start. I'm not going to spend too much time on the first one. And you probably already have a rhythm that looks somewhat like this, but a typical day right now for you. And again, it's not accurate for everybody, but you're going to recognize parts of you in a typical day. All right. Typical day starts in in this way. The alarm goes off. I heard somebody once describe an alarm clock as the only appliance that has been created in hell. Now, they couldn't do that theologically speaking, but that was their take on it. The alarm clock goes off. And I know you look forward to that. I know some of you wake up in the middle of the night, 2, 3 a.m., and you just say to yourself, I am so excited. I know that in just a matter of a few short hours, that alarm clock is going to go off. And it's like music to my ears, and I love it, and I can't wait. Maybe you get up, and you sit on the edge of the bed, and you just stare at it in anticipation that it's going to go off. But the alarm goes off, and you know what that means. And since most of you, I would imagine have set your alarm clock for the last possible second, you are immediately in rush mode. I mean, if you stay in bed 15 seconds longer than what your alarm clock goes off, then you're in real trouble. Now, uh, it's, it's a rarity. It's not like I've never done it, but I've tried to stay away from this practice. Some of you may like this little feature on your alarm clock, and I, I, don't, I don't think it's good, but that's just me. How many of you know on these alarms clock, there's a feature called snooze? Anybody here? Truth will set you free. How many of you ever set the snooze? All right, you hit that snooze. How many of you ever hit it at least four times before you get, ever get up? All right, so. Just curious. I, I, this, I told you to be practical. Let's, let, and again, this is not a part of the notes, just, but I want to help you. If you're going to hit that snooze four or five times, why don't you just set the alarm for that time? Then you're not waking up, going to sleep, waking up, going to sleep, waking up. You could just get that as just a thought. All right, it's not part of the talk, but I'm just trying to help. So the alarm goes off, and you know what that means. Then you may grab your tablet, or you may turn on the television. You may pick up a newspaper. Some of you have a subscription to that. You may look at it online, and information suddenly hits you. I don't know if you've recognized this, but most of what we see and read, how many of you know it's not really good news? 
So all of a sudden, we're inundated. We've already heard this dreaded alarm clock go off. We've said it for the last possible second. We've hit snooze for at least a half a dozen times, and now we've got to go. We don't have much time, but we're just sort of in a rhythm of having some, have some information. So we are inundated by news or by weather, or we've got to check social media because God forbid that you could leave the house without checking social media first. And then you're going to be in your car for some time. How many of you know the more that you drive, the more you need Jesus in your car? How many of you know this? How many of you have ever, and again, I'm, I'm, I preface this by saying I'm, I'm being facetious and I'm not being real, but how many of you have ever heard about a minor form of road rage and you're like, I get that, I understand that. Like, I see why they got agitated just a little bit. So you're going to be in your car for some time, and from start to finish, you're like, okay, I didn't get enough news, so maybe you're able to dial into some satellite news, or maybe you just go listen to some music or sports station, and so you're going to be in your car for some time. So from start to finish, from the time you leave your house till you get to your workplace or you get to your school, there's music playing or sports or more news, something's going on, on, and then you arrive at work. And you've got to work hard. I would imagine that the vast majority of you have a job that uh, requires tenacity and requires focus. And you get to work, and sometimes, uh, especially if you're already running late, and it comes back to why we get all emoted up when we're driving. You, you know what is amazing? If we're running late because we didn't get up on time, why, pray tell, are we mad at all of the other drivers who are completely innocent? They're just doing what they do every day. We're the ones that's frustrated. We're the ones that has this low-grade rage because they won't get get out. Well, we wouldn't need them to get out of our way if we'd got up when we said we were going to get up. All right, that's another thought. I, I digress. So you're at your job, and it requires focus, and there's meetings, and there's deadlines, and, and you're just already in a frantic pace. Some of you, especially based on the nature of your work, your stress level, your anxiety RPMs are already going up. And, and then you get a little lunchtime break. That rolls around, and it's time for lunch. And you may feel a little bit rushed with that also because of what is awaiting you in the afternoon. And so maybe you grab up a couple of, a couple of friends, and you go and have a quick lunch. Or maybe you're brown, brown bagging it. Or maybe you're saying, hey, the best possible thing I can do to save a little time is go through a drive through and I'll eat on the way back to my workplace. And so, you know, that that's just rushes through, and not a lot of thought is given to that. There's no time for reflection. There's no time to do anything productive. Then an afternoon of work and you work the rest of the day and then those of you that have small kids you pick them up and you're running them off to practices and to rehearsals and and you're cramming in as much I mean the alarm clock went off your feet hit the ground you've been running ever since and now you're still running you're picking them up you're taking them here and there shuttling them around cramming in as much as possible and then it's time for dinner you have dinner and I don't know what that looks like around your house but then in Probably after dinner, dishes are put away, dishwasher stored. Then there's probably some television until you go to sleep. And maybe even while you're watching television, you go to sleep. And it's been a long, busy day. But you know what? That's an ordinary day. It's what you do every day. 
There's nothing really evil that you have done. How many of you would agree? There's, I mean, everything, just sort of this example day that I've run through, there's, there's not really been any evil. In fact, there's really not been any time for evil if you really wanted it to be. An ordinary day, nothing really evil, but no real deposits of good. Are you with me on this? No real deposits. You haven't done anything wrong. You haven't done anything bad. It's just been an ordinary day. But that's the problem. It's an ordinary day. And Jesus, remember what he said? I read it a moment ago. Good people bring good things out of the good they have stored up in their hearts. But there's been no time for good. So guess what happens? You do this day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And guess what happens? Your spiritual temperature remains at the same level it's always been, but more likely it gets a little bit colder gradually over time. Ordinary day, nothing really bad. We all together on this? No time even for evil if you wanted to, but just no good that's been put into your life. Now I want to give you in the remaining time some things that we could do just taking that same day and just tweaking, just adjusting it, just making some changes. And again, again, they're not mega changes, but just little incremental changes between Sundays. If we will do these things, I'm telling you, friend, they will raise the the heat in our spiritual life. So let's, let's look at what a day could become like, maybe starting as early as tomorrow on Monday. And some of you are saying, but it's a holiday. Well, you can still get started. Get started Tuesday. I mean, for crying out loud, just get started. So we're back to that dreaded alarm clock that jolts you out of your sleep. And you could do what you do every single day. Your feet could swing off at the end of the bed, hit the floor, and your day is already running. But what if you set that alarm just a little bit earlier? Not a whole lot. You don't have to set it so much earlier. But instead of your feet hitting the floor, what if your knees hit the floor? What if your knees hit the floor? Or you just lay there for a moment and you had what would become your initial conversation with God for the day. And maybe laying there and kneeling there, you would just say, God, I invite you into this day. I want to do this day with you. You're not running yet. You're not running late yet. You're just saying, God, I invite you into this day. Maybe, maybe you'd put some scripture into your life. I'll come to that in just a moment where you could just lay there and you know one of the verses that you could even repeat before getting out of the bed or getting up off of your knees is to just say something like, God, this is what I know. Your mercies are new to me every single morning. So, God, this is a brand new day. And I'm so thankful that a brand new wave of your mercy could come my way today. But before I get busy, before I go to work, before I go to school, before I drive frantically in this traffic, before I have everything hit me in the face, when I walk through the door of work or school, I just want to invite you into my day. And then you could reach for the remote. You could pick up your tablet. You could grab a newspaper or you could put, and this is what Jesus was talking about, you could put some good into your life. Like maybe putting some of God's truth into your mind and heart before the day gets really going. And I know what some of you are thinking. I know. Well, if I was a preacher, I could do that, but I don't have time. I don't have time. That's what you do. No. Listen, friends. I'm not talking about, some of you are thinking, I I can't do that. I don't have an hour. I'm not talking about an hour. I I can't do that. I don't have 30 minutes. I didn't even say you have to take 30 minutes. I'm just saying there could be powerfully 
something that occurs in your life that will affect that, not only that day, but your future, and will heat you up if you took just a few moments every day, not an hour, but just a few minutes of good before you even leave the house, and you would read a portion of Scripture and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? Why don't you try reading the Bible that way, starting today or tomorrow? You don't have to say, you know what? Before I leave for work today, I'm going to read the Gospel of John. You don't have to do that. But you could take a portion and you could take a few moments and you could read it in a non-distracting way and say, Jesus, in this, what are you trying to say to me today? Now you're in your car and you're off for work or school. And even there, you can put some good into your life. You don't have to listen to sports radio. You really don't. You don't have to listen to more news. You really don't. Here's a crazy idea. I know this is so crazy, crazy. But you could play some Christian music in your car. That's crazy. You could play some worship music in your car. You could say, well, I'm, I'm not really into listening, you know, reading the Bible. Why don't you listen to the Bible? Why don't you put some good in your life? Why don't you download a good Christian podcast or a Christian book that you can listen to while you're driving? Why don't you take, I mean, you didn't, get a, you didn't get up and run and hit the ground, you know. You've taken a few moments on your knees and you're putting some good into your life. You're getting God-ordained perspective and, and you've put some scripture. You're putting some good into your life. You've asked Jesus, what do you want to say to me as I begin my day? And then on your way to work or school, you're, some worship music or you're listening to a good, challenging Christian book. And now it's time to get to work. And what if you, like Jesus, you kept one ear open to earth, and that's your focus and your task and your responsibilities and your deadlines, but you had also one ear that was open to heaven. And you just walked around in your workplace or about your day, and you were just so dialed in to what do people need. You had an ear open to what is going on in your workplace, but you had an ear open, and you're like, God, who could use some encouragement today? How many of you know every day you're coming in contact with people that need encouragement? Anybody know this? Life is tough. How many of you know this? At times, life stinks. And there's some people that they're just weighed down with all kinds of stuff. And you could just have an ear open to heaven. And you could just say, God, who could I find today that could use some little bit of encouragement? Who could use some prayer? Who could use a challenge? Who could, who could I share my faith with? In my grandmother's service two days ago, uh, we shared different things, and we did it all, believe it or not, in about an hour and 15 minutes, which is quite long for a funeral, until you consider all those who were involved. And then at the end of it, my, my grandmother's pastor got up to speak. And there were some things that we shared as family members that he had never heard before, and there's some things that, that, uh, that he shared that we had never heard before. In fact, one of the stories that he told, he said, you know, when I first came to the church, and it's a great church in the Atlanta area, great church. He said, I was a young pastor. I didn't know much. And he said, one of the first people that came up to me was, was Miss Martha. That's my grandmother. We called her Big Mamaw. Miss Martha came up to me, and she said, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, Brother Randy. I'm standing with you. And, and as only my grandmother could say, I know you're going to be given opportunities for people to pray and receive Jesus in our services. I know that's going to happen, and here's what I want you to to know when you ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes and you're looking around to see see who's raising their hand and this is so typical of my grandmother she said I want you to know I'm going to be looking too <laughs> like you're going to be looking I'm going to be lo everybody else is going to bow their head but I'm going to be looking too me and you and then he said I remember the day when a young man 
teenage. My grandmother, she's 89 years old. This happened a few years ago. She passed away at 89. He said, I gave an invitation. A teenage young man raised his hand to receive Jesus. And I saw Miss Martha go over to him. Old lady, teenage boy. And she whispered some things to him. And he said, I'm just looking out from the pulpit. And I see, and I see this young man nodding his head. And then I find out later that Miss Martha led this teenage boy to Jesus all on her own. You know how my grandmother was able to do that? I was not surprised at that story. Because my grandmother lived with one ear dialed into what was going on earth and one ear dialed in to heaven. And she knew what she needed to do. Then what if you made some tweets and adjustments to your lunch hour? What if you intentionally and consistently thought of a salt shaker when you had lunch? You say, what are you talking about? Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. And do you know that you may be the only real Christian that your work friends know? And what if you're in a gathering and you're just saying in that gathering, I'm just going to remember a salt shaker. I'm just going to remember a salt shaker because in this setting, Jesus wants me to be salt. He wants me to bring some light into this situation. And then you work the rest of the afternoon, and then you're back into your car, and you want to put some good into your days, and you pick up your kids, and you're shuttling them around. But rather complaining about it, what if you just looked at your kids as a captive audience, and you could use that time well to pour into their lives, to talk to them about spiritual matters? What if you invested your life in those you come in contact with? I can't tell you through sports, the number of relationships we built over the years by going to ball games and ball practices and built strategic relationships that we could leverage that for Christ's sake in events. And so you've been running, but you've been putting some good into your life. It's looked so much different than what your ordinary days have been like, not filled with evil, but just no good. But now you're putting some good into your life, and then you gather at the dinner table. And I don't know what that looks like for everybody, but here's a crazy idea, crazy, crazy idea. But when you gather to gather around the dinner table, why don't you try this sometime? Try talking to one another. And just talk about things. Put some good into that conversation. And if you're saying, you know, how do I put some good into a conversation? What if you just said, I've done this so many times, something like this, to just ask the question. I've asked this question so many different times in the context of all kinds of relationships. In the course of today, what has been your greatest joy? What has been your biggest struggle? What has been your greatest joy? What has been your... And it opens up all kinds of conversations. And what if as a dad, a Christian dad, you invested in a good kid's devotional? Our family devotional. And before everybody scampered around from the table, you just say, hey, we're all going to see her for just a few moments. We're not going to take all night, but I want to just read. And you put some good into the lives of your family. You put some good into the lives of your kids. And you pray. And what if instead of plopping down in front of the television after dinner, you put another little dose of good into your life just before you go to sleep that night? Before you ever flip on the TV. Before you ever pick up a magazine, nothing wrong with flipping on a TV or t picking up a magazine. But what if you said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close my day in a similar manner the way that I began it. And before I shut my eyes, maybe you'll take a few minutes to read from a good Christian book. Put some good into your life just before you go to sleep. doesn't have to be long. don't have to read forever. I, 
I do this quite often. Now, I've got to tell you, for me, I'm like you. I run hard all day long. And I have the three-page rule, and that basically means if while I'm laying down reading a book, I fall asleep three times on the same page, I close the book, all right? I'm, I'm not going to help myself. Fall asleep twice on the same page, I'll try to read Craig another page. Three times on the same page, all right, I'm not helping anybody. But you could do this. Before you shut your eyes, you could take a few moments to think about some good you've put into your life that day. From the moment that you got up, when the alarm went off, until those last few moments you have with God. And maybe before you shut your eyes and go off to sleep, you would evaluate your spiritual temperature. and You would say, God, has it been elevated somewhat today? And let me just tell you, friends, you do this. And, and you heard, none of these are mega things. You don't, you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to go to seminary to do these things. These are tweets and adjustments. But collectively put together, you will put good in your life. And when you put that kind of good in your life, you know what's going to happen? It's going to heat you up bet- between Sundays. Does it make sense to anybody? Wave, wave at me like this if this makes sense. And you could do this. You don't have to. You could have heard everything that I've said in these last few moments and say, you know what, I heard it, but I'm not going to change. You can make that choice, but I'm just telling you, you keep doing what you've been doing, and 10 years from now, your spiritual life will be exactly the same or colder. You can change the focus of your life. We're out of time. I'll stand for closing prayer. you're here today and you're not yet a Christian and you want to become one my grandmother is not in this service so there's only one of us looking around not two but I'm looking around if you just say you know what why would I not want to become a Christian why would you not want to experience the love of God why why would you not want to have peace in your heart that passes all understanding why would you not want to have the joy that only God could give. Why would you not want to have contentment in your life, knowing you're in right standing with God? Why would you want to carry worry around forever and ever, wondering where you're going to spend eternity? I don't get it. Why not just do the thing that makes the most sense? Say, Jesus, I need you coming into my life. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to know you. I want to love you. If you're not yet a Christian, and you want to become one, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, You just lift up your hand and you just say, Jeff, pray for me right where I'm standing. I want to become a Christian. I need peace. I need joy. I need contentment. I need purpose in my life. I need direction in my life. Just lift up your hand. Lift it real high and you can put it right back down. So, Father, I just pray that for these who would just say yes to you today, that they'd pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Come into my life today. Forgive me of all my sins. Make me a brand new person. I don't know what it means yet to be a Christian in every sense of the word. But I know I want to become one. And I know that you will receive me. And I thank you for doing that. And with your help, guide me and direct me. I want to talk to you. I want you to talk to me. I want to do my day with you. And God, we just thank you for that. And then for all the rest of us, God, that we would stop living ordinary days. But as your son Jesus said, 
We put some good in our lives. Out of us, out of good people come good things because they put good into their lives. Help us as early as tomorrow morning to change our whole approach to our day and make certain that every day we're putting good into us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said, I love you. See you next week, everybody.